And good afternoon. I am on my cliff headset today. So let me know if you have a problem hearing me. And uh, forgive my voice. I'm uh, fighting God knows what diseases these days. <laughs> oh, Pam, I know. It's all that horrible cold weather we've been having. Oh, I don't know what it is. I've got There's the li- a lot of stuff yeah. going around right now. There is. There is. So I see Betty, Lori, and Joni are on. Hi, ladies. Yes. Hello, ladies. Hi, Joni. Oh, thanks, Betty. So happy you could could see, uh, spend some time with us today on the podcast. We have a good chapter, yeah, but every do. chapter is good with SR. That we do. And ladies, if I suddenly go mute, it's because I've had to sneeze. <laughs> so forgive me. But <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, Betty says Pam has a sexy voice today. Call Richard. Oh, yeah. Call Richard. <laughs> Either that or call Snarky. I think Snarky would like the Pam's Snarky sexy would like voice. the voice. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Snarky, I wonder how he's doing. I don't know. I don't it can't be I wondered if he was going to be in the uh, new the new book, and if they're going to be able to portray Snarky in the movie. I don't know. see how you can portray Snarky in the movie. No, I know. Maybe, I I know, but it would be maybe maybe as a an internal voice of Gabriel. Maybe. Uh, maybe. I don't know. That would be interesting. That would be interesting. Lori says, Ugh, I'm so sorry, Pam. And Pam always has a sexy voice. <laughs> this is true. Betty I says, see. I bet Snarky's okay, busy okay. stealing Gabriel's stuff. Yeah, scotch. <laughs> <laughs> stealing Gabriel's scotch. He's very good at our, that. Our, 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 friends, our friends who begin with the letter K have joined us, Kenzie yes. and Karen. Well, I wanna... So good to see you. Well, I'm thinking of it. I'm going to give you all a laugh. Um, <laughs> you know how we uh, we uh, a bunch got cards and we sent cards out for the SR mm-hmm. family. Well, I got one from Franka today, and it was oh, I sent, love it. It was sent before Christmas, and somewhere between here and South Africa, it got wet. <laughs> And I, even the stamp has been washed off. Oh. <laughs> so, but it's very nice, and I thank you, Franca, for the, for the I love it. I love uh, our, I love our SR family from all over the globe. It's really oh yeah. great. Oh yeah. It's it's always fun with the SR family. I was uh, going back and forth with Samia at eleven o'clock last night. <laughs> I said, I'm going to let you go because I'm not feeling well, and you probably got kids to get off to school. So, <laughs> I think that's so great, though. Yeah. Really, really great. Yeah. So, and I have a puppy who's trying to tear apart a napkin. Go away. <laughs> Anyhow, so we have lots and lots of fun stuff coming up. Uh, yes, you know, we do. We've got the new book coming out in December, and 
of this year. And we know that uh, the man in the black suit is now available in Portuguese. And so exciting. Yeah, that is exciting. And then Kenzie, I think you've been trying to get a copy of it and we're having some issues, if I'm not mistaken. And I know that the um, Czech version will be coming out in May sometime. And that is being published by Albatross Media. Uh, Very exciting. Yeah, the Florentine series is being translated into Italian by Del Rey and Zioni from Milan. And the French edition is ADA, which is a Quebec publishing house. So keep an eye out on those announcements. Of course, we have the movie coming up. And I have a feeling, well, not completely written. I think the script is being worked on. And that's right, Kenzie, I forgot. The Today Show yesterday uh, put a list out of books to read after Fifty Shades uh, for Valentine's Day. And number two on the list, although it should have been number one, was Gabriel's Inferno. So it was very, very exciting. Um Yes, and don't worry, Pam. I didn't forget. I was going to. I was going to throw that into the oh, end of okay. the announcements because that's a big deal. That and I actually looked deal. the the author of it, who I am now following. The author of the article uh-huh. is um, pulled it from Goodreads and yes. pulled the listing from uh, a Goodreads compilation. And I just think that's really, really great um, I because I think. Uh, it's really perfect timing. Um, and by the way, Lori and Betty both are giving Sammy a lot of love. As Betty says, I love Sammy. She's funny. She is funny. And Kenzie responded about your mention about the version. She said she had some trouble with understanding the billing address information, wow. uh, but the publisher helped her, which is great. Oh, good. And good. as Betty says, this will keep Gabriel on his toes. Keep him working for our hearts. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I just, I'm telling you, the fact that he came in so high up on the list really was exciting. It was. And number two to Sylvia Day, not bad. I know people feel differently about different authors. I happen to think uh, Sylvia Great, Sylvia Day is a great author, a great writer. Um, so I was not, uh, you know, of course, in my heart, uh, SR belongs in number one. Mm-hmm. But I, you know... I, I think it's pretty remarkable that he is in that held in that high, um, that high regard. And yes. by the way, I'm curious, ladies, how many of you, how many of those books did you guys read from the top ten? I read five of the ten, which I was pretty surprised that that there were that many. And some of them I have on my list to read, but I haven't yet. Just curious. I'm throwing it out there. Uh, um, not... Kenzie said, that's how I found GI, except I looked up similar to Twilight, not Fifty Shades. Well, I think that's very age appropriate of you, Kenzie. So yes. I'm giving you four, I'm giving you lots of props for that. <laughs> um, of course, I, I, I think I've told this story. One of the women's magazines, and I wish I can remember which one. It may have been uh, Women's Health or maybe a Women's Day type of magazine. It was a women's magazine, and the, the book, the the article was a sidebar article, and it said, what to read after you read Fifty Shades. 
And I read there were several of the books that were on this list, actually, where I, I remember Sylvia Day was on there. And um, w- when I saw the Gabriel's Inferno write up, I was like, that is the book for me. I love Dante. I, 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 I just I have to read it. And I was hooked. I know that I read um, the Sylvia Day books and this one. And I, to be honest with you, after the that, I just, I think Jodiella Malpass was on there. I'm not sure mm-hmm. who else. And I, I didn't really go through the whole list. Just very mm-hmm. excited that SR got, got on the list. Because I know I, <laughs> I send messages to Oprah <laughs> to put on <laughs> her book list. I know, you right? Know, I, I mean, anytime, mm-hmm. anytime I hear on a, a morning show, especially uh, about booklists for women and stuff, I always throw his name out there, uh, Gabriel yeah. and all that. You know, it, and um, it, you know, you never know what could be picked up, and obviously, it worked with Goodreads with this person. Absolutely, so. which is great. Um, it's. And so well deserved. Yes. And as uh, uh, Lori said, um, she loves Sylvia Day too. She was so happy for SR. And uh, she, Lori said, she read at least three. Mm-hmm. And she said, um, my story, the way I described it, is exactly how she found Gabriel's Inferno too. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to assume Nina did that. And mad props to Nina for getting him Absolutely. into that publication. Kenzie said, am I the only one that doesn't understand why Gabriel Inferno is categorized as erotica? I think it is erotic, but not in the same way as Bared to You in Fifty Shades. I remember it being categorized as erotica put me off. We could have a long discussion on that point. Um, Absolutely. I I, I think it's often miscategorized um, because it it can fall into many categories. Uh And I had... got to hear a really good lecture by one of my favorite authors at a at the Virginia Festival of the Book okay. and Laura Lip, Laura Lipman um, who if anybody likes uh, crime thrillers or uh, mysteries I highly recommend Laura Lipman um, originally from Baltimore okay. um, she and she gave a really good talk on on writing and on the genres and the fact that you shouldn't be pigeonholed um how often in her instance she's talking in crime and crime novels and they're often just completely uh cast away and not considered literature and not considered good literature and she said it's it's any type of genre gets kind of pigeonholed and she really spoke out against it. Um, it was really, really, her comments really, t- for me, translated. I was like, yeah, I feel the same way. I feel sometimes um, some of the authors that we love that are great storytellers are often marginalized uh, because they're writing romance or writing uh, uh, crime fiction. Well, so I, I can give you a good one. Um, she mm-hmm. was actually a classmate of mine in elementary and middle school. Her name's Lisa Scottolini. Mm-hmm. And she writes a lot of crime uh, crime stories. She was a very good writer, I remember, in school. She always got good grades on that. And oh, that's great. She, uh, after, I left 
the middle school in eighth grade went to a Catholic high school in ninth grade and she continued on in the public school and I kind of lost track of her uh, I know she went to Penn and she's an attorney and she started writing just for the fun of it and now she writes these crime novels and that's I, awesome and I forget the name of her main character but she's she's she is good so if you're if you're interested in that area she's a good one to pick up I'm going to have to check that out. Yeah. Um, you know, she's like James Patterson. She's got one mm -hmm. coming out all the time. So, you know, it's incredible how they, how they can do that. I mean, um, yeah, I, so I just thought Kenzie, that was a good point you raised. Um, uh, Betty says she needs to read the other books. She has many on her to read list. Mm -hmm. Um, KK has read seven does not surprise me because I knew she knows she's prolific uh, Kenzie's read eight on the list. You go girl. Mm -hmm. I'm impressed. Um, I, and some of them are just authors. I love Jodi Ellen Malthus. I really like, uh, Samantha Young. I really, really enjoyed her stuff. Um, Alice, um, Clayton, who oh, yes. co-wrote well, uh, the book that, one. that cracked that me up. Hysterical. That book makes me laugh so hard. Um, so Betty says Gabriel essential. So I guess that's why mm -hmm. they consider him erotica. Um, true. Um, Kenzie said she could have a long discussion about one of the books on the Today Show list for many reasons. Mm -hmm. Sigh. <laughs> and Betty said she heard of Gabriel's Inferno through Chrissy's Fifth Shade, Fifty Shades podcast. Mm -hmm. One of the guests were reading Gabriel's Inferno and she recommended it. Perling was in the chat room that time and she recommended the book as well. And after that, the rest, rest is history. history. Well, the beginning I of a fan podcast. The you SR know? Fan Podcast. And In the beginning, there was Betty, Betty and Perling. And well, I mean, the, the way I got into it was uh, SR and Erica uh, wrote this story that was on her blog about visiting Florence. Oh, so you that saw that, and that's how that tagged you in. I got tagged in because I was on E.L. James's uh, email list for her newsletter. And I picked it up there, and I read it, and I thought it was kind of interesting. And then I went to Amazon and looked for the books, and I found the Gabriel books, and I picked them up. And read all of them, and then The Prince. And I think um, uh, The Ra Raven was just going to be coming out very soon after that. But I, I remember I getting them all and reading them all. And it's just like... I couldn't put any of them down. So, any. I know. So, just like just like uh, the Fifty Shades series, this series is one that I read over and over and over. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and Betty says yes. She actually remembers the post you were referencing. I do too. Mm -hmm. And Lori says yay for Betty and Perling. Um, Betty said the boss and E.L. James were in Florence. Willie was sneaking around. He um, was. Kenzie said she loved that interview. She's jealous of E.L. And she actually referenced the fact that she's been waiting for Sylvia Day's new novel for two and a half years. Still no updates, which is upsetting. Which yeah, one? I'm curious. I, I'm not sure which, uh, the, if, which book you're talking about with Sylvia Day. But I um, finished all of the... Um, the Crossfire Gideon, series? Gideon Cross one. Mm -hmm. There was one that came out like a year or so ago. Maybe it was two yes. years. Yes. Yes. That was the last one. 
that was the last one. I have to say, though, I've read some of her historical fiction from earlier. Uh-huh. And one of my favorite books she has read that this is one I go back to a lot is called Seven Years to Sin. Uh-huh. It's the book that inspired the Gideon Cross series, just set in the modern times. Oh, okay. So Kenzie says it's called So Close. There was a little sneak peek at the end of One With You, the fifth okay. book in Crossfire. Ooh. Okay. Well, I saw something today. She put something out on Twitter today saying that uh, she does have something coming out and that it was um, because somebody asked her about Gideon and Ava and, you know, was that the end? And she basically said, no, that they're coming. They'll be around in other, other stories, but, you know, you know, maybe like, uh, Gabriel in, in, and Julia are in the Florentine series type of thing. I don't know. So that's that right, would Betty. be cool. That's right, Betty. So many books, not enough time. That's for sure. Boy, that's the truth. Mm-hmm. I'm just enjoying them all so much. It's really remarkable. Yeah, yeah. The creativity that people bring. Um, it's just great. Yeah. And I, and I'm, I know, I'm in awe. I know that, uh, you know, that's how everybody got involved with Jen and Mog and uh, mm-hmm. all that. And, you know, how much fun they are. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and I remember SR putting out the um, a tweet one day asking about the Florentine series. Anybody interested in starting a podcast? And mm-hmm. I know that... Uh, uh, Kez, Dane, and I got got together, and there was somebody else who was interested, and she dropped out. I forget who it was. And so it was exciting. So it was a lot of fun. Very, very fun. Podcasting uh, Car- is fun. It is fun, mm-hmm. um, and I'm 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 enjoying it. I was very happy that I was able to j- jump in and uh, talk about our beautiful characters of Nicholas and Acacia. I know. Um, Karen, actually, I was looking at some more of the comments here. Um, Betty says she wants to fly to Hope Island with Willie and Raven and just read all the books she can. <laughs> I agree with you. Hi, Argyle uh, Doll. <laughs> uh, hey, Argyle Doll. Thanks for joining today. Karen mentioned that she found Gabriel's Inferno by accident on Amazon mm-hmm. in 2011. So, boy, you were an early adopter there, Karen. The title caught her attention, uh, Dante's Inferno, and she sent SR a tweet, and he answered. Then she met Jen, Mog, and Kez, and I guess the rest is history on that friendship. Um, Kenzie says, I remember being so shocked when SR tweeted me back for the first time. I didn't expect it. He was my first author I talked to, bought signed books, and many other firsts. He, he was very good about that. I remember because I, when I was reading Gabriel's Inferno the first time, I remember reading all about St. Joe's University and mm-hmm. the proximity of my home to where the school is. And I was like, whoa. And, you know, like my cousin went there. He graduated in 78, I think it was, in, or 77. And he uh, I, he lived on campus and it cost him like 6000 a year. And now it costs about 60000 a year to go there. So, big difference. Big difference. Um, So. Wow. Yeah. 
But I mean, and but he responded back to me, and it was just very cool. So and he would keep it up. That's that's I know. Uh, Betty says hearing all the stories of how everyone discovered Gabriel's Inferno. And the boss is so cool. Yes. It really is. You know, that yeah. might be a cool little project we can think about. That's having true. that kind of a compilation. That's true. And Joni didn't discover Gabriel's Inferno and didn't read it until after The Man in the Black Suit, which uh, I love. Joni, that's terrific. That's very cool. Very, yeah, very and cool. And now you have to get into the Florentine series, too. Yeah, I don't know if you've read that one, Joni, but I love the Florentine series as well. And I'm and that's one. Well, I want every every word of his to be made into a movie. So it's, it's uh, <coughs> I can't just limit it to Gabriel's Inferno. I want I want to see Willie. I want to see Raven. I want to see Nicholas and Acacia. Um, Kenzie says it just shocks me how interactive and how much time he dedicates to us. It is so appreciated. It still blows my mind. Agreed. Um, that's actually a really important part of being an author though. Um, unlike a lot of other industries, authors have to self promote and they have to promote their products or nobody will know about them. I do not know why it's set up that way. But I've learned more and more about that over uh -huh. the past couple of years. And it is stunning to me as someone who is a professional communicator who is paid to promote things um, that authors have to have that additional lift. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, I mean, social media has been a godsend for a lot of people in the publishing industry because of that reason. Um, so... And Argyle Doll is saying she's much like Kenzie. She was shocked when SR tweeted her back. Yeah. And Absolutely. She, and she picked up Gabriel's Inferno about eight years ago, and she's never been the same since. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's true of many of us. Uh, yes, yes, very true. Betty said Gabriel's Inferno was her first audiobook with a male narrator, which the incomparable... Ah, John Morgan. Um, oh, Joni also read Florentine series and loved it. And Betty commented, the audiobooks are so good. Karen agrees. Betty wants the Florentine series on Netflix. Absolutely. Awesome. Netflix stars. Um, anywhere. Passion flicks would be great. I would love it with a humongo, lush, big, plush budget to have the sweeping scenes of Florence. Oh, my gosh. <sighs> You need a big, big uh, subscriber boost for Passion Flicks for that. Yes. We might be able to do it, though. You never know. You never know. I have faith. I have faith. I have faith. I, um, you know, I happen to look up, because it's very much like Hallmark movies, I looked up their budgets on movies. Oh, yeah. And they spend about a million, a million and a half per movie. Which is amazing. Uh, but you compare it to what the put out on the studio at the studio level, you know. Um, but boy, there's a lot of platforms now, so there's a lot of opportunity, which is exciting. Yes, there are. Uh, Kenzie mentioned there are lots of authors she likes, so they get to this certain point of popularity, and then they stop interacting and responding to emails, which she understands. They get busy, but there's a disconnect. Then I believe it's nice to have interaction. Yeah, I mean, very true. And unfortunately for me, I get to a point with a certain author and it's just like 
I was like that with Eric Lustbader and Stephen King. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a certain point I stopped. I don't know why, maybe because I had a baby and life got in the way. I'm not sure. But anyway, so. Oh, it does. <laughs> it does, that's for sure. Especially when you, be, you get on the PTA, homeroom mother, um, <laughs> recreation committee for the village, and little league executive vice president. So that gets. Oh, yeah. That oh, yeah. It's uh, very busy after a while. <laughs> so, anyway. Karen also says, she, Karen remembers she, early on, she put out a general question on Twitter and SR answered her. And she was like, Is he talking to me? <laughs> and agreed. And Kenzie Authors need friends. lots of love. Kenzie's they work so hard and write. With, uh, on, with them on Facebook, which is so great. And I, well, I always have fun when I get DM. <laughs> That's always fun. And I've gotten, oh, that, yeah. I've gotten that from him and from E.L. James. And just for the record. Which is really cool. Four years ago today, I was in New York this morning at the premiere of Fifty Shades of Grey. And oh my I, gosh, that was four years ago. Four years ago, and I had Jamie Dornan and um, Dakota standing in front of me very nicely. And I have a selfie with Erica. And it was all I can tell you is that Jamie Dornan, to this day, I will say this, smelled wonderful. His aftershave <laughs> was. Oh my God. <laughs> so, yeah. And I met a lot of people <clears throat> that uh, through that and connected. It's funny, all the connections between the authors as well. Mm -hmm. You know? So, yeah, it's good. I love it. <laughs> I know. Joni's saying that sounds like so much fun. It was. Betty yeah. says she's, she, her mini flogger broke, but she still has it and cherish, cherishes it. <laughs> I don't blame her. Kenzie you. said she just found her Fifty Shades movie ticket stub from when she went four years ago. She was 17 at the time. So her mom <laughs> snuck her in. Don't worry, I did not watch uh -huh. it with her. <laughs> well, I still have my um, key to the Red Room. Mm -hmm. And I also, also have... Uh, desk set and paperwork from Fifty Shades of Grey and also from uh, Fifty Shades um, the last not the last one uh, let me look at my bookcase here what is it? Darker so yeah ah, so cool I Betty, wish I'd known you then Betty <laughs> I know I know she wishes she spoke with Pam that day you guys were so close I remember I was, that story. I remember hearing you guys talk about it, and I just kept thinking that was the coolest thing I've ever heard. I was yeah. very excited for you. Well, I drove up. I, I left my house about 2.30 in the morning because I figured I'd have to, we had to be there at like 5 o'clock or something. And mm -hmm. it was great driving through the Lincoln Tunnel. I mean, normally it takes an hour and a half to drive through the Lincoln Tunnel. It took me 15 minutes, if that. And uh, got and I just kept there was a line. I just kept walking. 
and there was um, they were taking videos uh, and asking people questions. I guess they were going to use later for promos. And I was standing mm-hmm. with a group there, and then we got told to cross the street, so I just walked with them, and I got in the first row. So I was I was like, whoa, <laughs> this is huge. So anyway, wow. To reminisce. Well, Kenzie now wants to binge watch the film since we've been talking about it. <laughs> I don't blame And you. Betty says she has her key too, but the flogger broke a few weeks ago. Perhaps Paul would be frightened of her. I bet. Perhaps. Perhaps. That Maybe that be. was a sign. Paul is coming for you. Uh, the other morning, she uh, said, Erica was up. She was being, she couldn't sleep. And mm-hmm. uh, she was, I think she was cold or something and she was talking about getting just finding some place to be warm and I said I'm snuggled in my bed with my little boo-boo Walter wonder the wonder boo-boo and she <laughs> said Walter so then somebody else comes in and says don't tell me that's the name of Bob I'm like no <laughs> <laughs> so we were going back and forth with that it was funny so. Oh, that's so funny. Yes, I had to post oh my a picture. Gosh. I had to post a picture of the wonder <laughs> boo-boo to Erica. So, anyway. so now she knew. Betty's yes. laughing. <laughs> Kenzie said with Gabriel's Inferno? Of course. <laughs> of course. Of course. So I think now is a good time to start our chapter. I think so, too. I think discussion. <laughs> <laughs> well, but this is all good stuff. And it I think... Is, it is. I think this really helps, uh, besides the chapter is rather short, so um, I think this really helps to keep everyone uh, on their toes and kind of gets everyone involved in what is uh, was a very exciting news week for SR, mm-hmm. um, and having his book ranked so highly on such a um, high-profile site is very exciting. exciting so who knows how many more people will discover him based on that tweet or based on the facebook post because um, exactly. they were putting it out on several platforms exactly thanks Lori likes the chatting and information <laughs> so do we Lori. we too too Sometimes so do we. we get a little bit too long in the tooth though. <laughs> mm-hmm. or i do anyway <laughs> no 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 i i i'm guilty as charged on that too but i i think it's important to have everybody um give everyone a chance to participate so so happy everyone could come today to talk about chapter 39 and that's the day after um some very uh very passionate and very (laughs) yes speaking of erotica um quite very passionate a uh, couple days uh, that Nicholas and Acacia spent. And the following day, Nicholas and Acacia, along with Rick and Kurt, went to the atrium of the hotel. They were ready to make to attend the meeting. Nicholas in his bespoke black suit, black shirt, and monochromatic tie. Acacia wore a black dress that fell to her knees, black stockings, high heels, and an emerald green jacket. As always, SR is very descriptive, which I love. Yes, Betty, Nicholas was a love machine. Um, and I should say he is a love machine based on this. Reminds me of a song. <laughs> I know. Now I have that in my head. <laughs> <laughs> 
So they stood in the corner, uh, private corner of the restaurant. Nicholas shook hands with Constantine's contact and introduced his interpreter. His contact was under the assumption that it would be a private meeting. And he said, I speak perfect English. He didn't feel he needed to have an interpreter present. And Nicholas told him he brought his own interpreter since his Arabic was not equal to his English. His contact then proceeded to say that the woman's Arabic was probably not equal to his. And Akasi replied that it was probably true, but she was always willing to practice and learn. He nodded to her, but continued to speak to Nicholas. There was no need for interpreters, and he preferred privacy. So Acacia read an apology in Nicholas's eyes. She could tell that Nicholas was upset by the treatment um, that this uh, contact was giving her. Um, he could not say it aloud, but she could see it in his expression. She wanted to say that she really didn't care um, that she had been dismissed, but in his role as his assistant, she could not. Nicholas inclined his head to Kurt and Rick, to escort Cassia back to the room. He told her that security would escort her back and she was free to go. And she nodded her head very respectfully and said, very good, sir. And as she suspected, she knew that contact was very traditional, if not paranoid. And Acacia walked away. Um, as she was walking by, she was thinking of the previous night on the dining room table and other very romantic and arduous, uh, very uh, exhausting activities. Yes. She had slept well, and they both had. She smiled at what awaited for her after the meeting. And then something caught her eye, and something just caught my eye, and that is Karen saying, sorry, she has to run. Karen, have a wonderful dinner. I'm Enjoy. jealous. I want to come over. Baked wild cod, steamed broccoli, and sautéed spinach. Yum. Thanks for joining us today, Karen. I hope you have a good and restful night. Yes. And Betty says, I feel like with Nicholas, Gabriel, and Willie, one mess dress up. <laughs> Yeah, leggings and T-shirts are... And leggings and T-shirts are just not allowed. You need the dressy clothes. <laughs> yeah, what I it, love it. One of the things that I was thinking about, because uh, the Constantine's uh, friend, being a Muslim, and mm -hmm. was what kind of... Well, how would he treat women, period? You know, good, bad, or indifferent? So I, I was talking uh, to a, a couple of Muslim friends that I have and one that we all know and love who's crazy, doesn't like Ava. And they all, you know, the ones here in the States that I know, uh, the women here, like, you know, they're like, oh, don't get me started. I don't give a shit. He, I'll cut his balls off type of thing if he ever, they were ever treated like that. Um, and... You know, and Sammy had brought up the point that it would all depend upon where they're from. She said that the men, especially from the United Arab, Arab Emirates and from Qatar, are very, very traditional, and women must take a more conservative stance. And you can see that in other different specs as well. Um, 
so I was just, I was just, you know, is this what all these men are going to be like? She said the best Middle Eastern men are Jordanian. She didn't say anything about her own husband. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he's wonderful. So, although she might contradict me. You never know with her. But, um, yeah, so it was, it was interesting to just to kind of get an idea of what this man would be like. Because, and, and that also led into the, the point where, you know, as she's, she's walking and she's got all these daydreams about what had happened with Nicholas and everything. And she, you know, she's going through the atrium and all of a sudden she spots an older man in a gray suit surrounded by men in a black suit. And she stopped and stared and, uh, and the man uh, similarly dressed came across and grasped his arms warmly and then she caught the man's face. And it, it frightened her, frightened her big time. And then she realized mm. he had a signet ring, and she recognized the signet ring. Now she's panicking. So she's running off to the elevator, and Kurt's, like, hurrying behind her, saying, you know, he's like, you know, what's going on? What's going on? And she, he's speaking in French to her so that, you know, at least it could be somewhat anonymous. And he's got, she's like, nothing, let's go, let's go. The elevator doors open, she jumps in, they close, and as soon as they close, she sagged against the wall. And Kurt asks her what happened, and should she call the boss? And she said, no. He asked if she was sick. No. And, when the, and she was fine. So the elevator doors open, she runs across the hallway to the room, and she swipes her card key, and now she's kicking off her shoes and running up the stairs. Kurt's following her, wanting to know what was going on, and she stated there were our security cameras in the elevator, as well as audio surveillance. So she was getting a little frightened. So one of the questions Leslie asked SR, only because, as you can tell, I was not concentrating very much on anything this week with this cold. Um, why didn't Acacia tell Kurt that she was in danger? And why wouldn't she let Kurt call Nicholas when she was upset at the elevator? And why did she not want Kurt to tell Nicholas she was catching a flight before she left? And Acacia, SR stated that Acacia was, had been keeping certain secrets so long, he didn't think she was able to confess the truth at least not right away, and she was shocked and afraid. You know, because as she's gone upstairs, she's going into her dressing room, she's opening up the safe, and she's taking out her cash, a burner phone, um, changing to flat shoes, and, you know, just getting things that she would absolutely need, like her passport, and throwing them in a, in a, a, a pocketbook and running out when she remembers the necklace that Nicholas gave her. And so she, so then Leslie can take it away from there. Yes. <laughs> well, actually, I was going to, before we do that, since we were talking about this particular moment and the scene, um, caught off guard, um, Betty said the scene blindsided her. She was curious who was this man and why was Acacia running away? And she didn't know what to think. She thought maybe he was a stalker. And 
I remember, I just thought, SR wrote this so well. Like, the fear was palpable. You could almost, you know, and it made you almost anxious when you're reading it. Oh, my gosh, what's going to go? What's happening? But he said, I'm in in my head. I was trying to reason with Acacia. Of course, Acacia was not listening to her because I know that was part of it, too. We're like, come on, tell Nicholas. He can help you. Um, But I think, as SR rightly pointed out, she was so, this was so ingrained in her for so long, she couldn't think of anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, she was shocked and afraid. So she's running around. She remembers the necklace. She went into Nicholas's room and to the bathroom. She knew that it had, would be um, a little more time and that it's time she couldn't afford, but she was not going to leave the necklace behind. She hastened to fasten it. You can imagine her like fumbling around trying to get the necklace on. She unplugged her laptop, threw it in and the cord into the bag. She looked for her cell and realized it was in her pocket. She turned it off and she did not have time to get rid of the SIM card um, because and she decided she would just simply do that at the airport. Um, Betty's saying that she was worried Akasi would fly away. And Nicholas uh, would never know what happened to her. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I know. It's, it's, it, it was, you know, you were wondering what's going to happen. And, and one of those things where I had to go back a couple times to read it. Mm-hmm. Because the first time I just didn't get it. Oh, it was, you know, it's kind of a shocking, yeah. you know, you knew something really bad. It, you know, stalker former lover it was an older person so you know you don't know if she worked for this guy and had secrets on him you don't know if you know it was a relative um you you just had no idea who this person was right and um betty also said she was worried akasi would fly away and nicholas would never know what happened to her and the necklace part made her wonder if she ever considered selling it in case she needed money you know, um, I, all good points. All good points, because I, I remember earlier when she went shopping in Geneva, and mm-hmm. uh, the housekeeper made her get this really expensive handbag, and mm-hmm. you know she knew that at some point if she needed to, she could sell that to get some money for it. Right, right. And, and Joni says Acacia went into survival mode. Exactly. Exactly. Lori, Lori noted it was surprising, and it was. And Betty figures if she took the necklace, she wants it as a keepsake from Nicholas. But perhaps Nicholas would think she was using him for money. And, I, you know, all good points. I actually asked the author, our beloved SR himself, why did Acacia choose to race across the hall for her lapis necklace? I wanted to know what he, what intention he had for Acacia in this act. And SR said she believed she could escape um, but she also believed she would never see Nicholas again. So her race to get the necklace was, I think, a way of her holding on to some piece of him. Oh, sigh. <sighs> it was sentimental. Yes. As, as SR can be. Very sweet. Um, and I can see that. I could t- totally see how, because she really had this fondness and really strong connection to him and she didn't want to lose uh she wanted to have a piece of him and that makes sense 
So she has the necklace. She swung the bag to her shoulder and a voice came from behind her. You're leaving? And she goes, yes. Were you going to tell me? There isn't time, she said. There just isn't time. And you can see, I mean, this is, again, I say it every week. I can totally visualize this. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. You can see, right? Slamming the door. The booming voice. The slamming of the door. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, Lori thought that, too. Betty said, thank you for asking this question, Leslie. I've been meaning to ask him that from the first moment I read the scene. Yes, she wanted a piece of him. And as she has this necklace, Nicholas kind of catches her in the act of running away. And, you know, she's freaking out, saying, there is a time. And he slams his door. And he's, she's like, I have to go. She's in danger, she said. And he blocked her as she tried to move past her. And she told him she was in danger. And he goes, not from me. And what's going on? So he's trying to figure out what the heck's going on. Um, and as Nick Kenzie says, Nicholas being there all of a sudden shook her, but she, but I knew he would show up before she escaped. Oh yeah. And Betty said the necklace reminded her of Krista. She was attached to the Rolex watch, but for an entirely different reason. Very true. Very true. It's when you have some, uh, ornamental object, um, having attachment to it for very different reasons though, as you pointed out, Betty. Big time different. Yes. Big time different. So Acacia's freaking out. Nicholas is insisting her tell him what's going on. And you can see, I mean, I can just see the scene. And the actress who has to play Acacia has got to be so spot on and point on because this is this is one of the scenes that she has to really, you know, really show her uh-huh. acting chops. Uh-huh. Um, she's like, I saw someone in the atrium. And he goes, who? And she goes, Omar Zaid Herzala. And she's like, I have to get out of here. I just have to get out of her here. And he asked who he was. And he said, I, I cannot help you if you do not know what she is afraid of. And Acacia told him he was an arms dealer and very dangerous. And that t- took Nicholas back. <laughs> How do you know he's an arms dealer? She hesitated. She just didn't want to get into it. Um, you can tell. And and. You can hear Nicholas being more and more demanding and more and more angry that she's not telling him everything. And I think he's shocked, too, because all of his investigation would have nothing like this in her background. Right, right. Like he thought he knew all the ins and outs of Acacia, Um, Acacia Santos, but alas, he did not. Um, and, And Betty said she was so happy he showed up just in time. Yeah. Kenzie said, that's so sweet with the necklace. Thanks for asking. I was curious about that as well. Um, so she has his necklace on. He's telling her, who is this man? Tell me right now who this man is. And you can imagine all the stuff running through Nicholas's head, right? Uh-huh. An arms yeah. dealer. Holy cow. What she, you know, who is he to her? Like you can, I, I'm sure he was jealous about Luke. She's running away that. from this arms dealer. Like what the heck? So she swallowed the lump in her throat. She looked at the door and then at Nicholas. She was wasting time, and she just decided she's just going to bite the bullet and tell him. And she goes, he is my father. Boom! End of chapter. Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. Talk about a way to end it on a... 
cliffhanger. Yeah, cliffhanger is right. Oh my gosh. I mean, I, Betty, you know, I, I just shocking. It is. And, and Nicholas was really shocked that she knew this man surprised Nicholas. A woman is like an ocean. How many secrets? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kenzie said the scene really scared her, like literally spiked her anxiety through the reef. Well, that doesn't surprise me, Kenzie, because he wrote it really, really. I mean, he oh, really yeah. built that. I did build it he up. built the tension and that, that dramatic um, tension that goes with writing conflict. I mean, he just nailed it. And I've got um, to is, it was a plot twist. Yes. Cliffhanger, as Betty said. Mm. And Joni said, I had to listen to many chapters more today. Yes. Yes. Because you just want to know what happens after that. Exactly. Exactly. You know, it, it is, that was like, whoa, a slap in the head. Mm -hmm. That's her father. But that's the big, that's the big aha, right? I mean, you knew from the beginning of the book. Yes, yes. And we are now at chapter 39. And this woman is running from something. She's hiding something. There's something in her past. And, you know, What's going would, on? Every time we would ask us our questions as we're going through this for the podcast, Mm -hmm. He would, you know, he would answer, well, you know, because you knew, we knew, you know, mm -hmm. you knew because you read the book, but you wanted to see what he was going to say about it and how the build exactly. up to this. Like, oh. Well done. Uh, really well done. As Betty says, the boss really knows how to keep us on our toes. Yes, he does. That is that, darn sure. I know. I know. It's really, really good. You know, it's, I, I liked the way too that, you know, the, the plot continues to get more and more involved. Um, and the backdrop of that with now this, holy cow, this is a major threat to their happiness, her uh -huh. survival. Um, you just don't know where it's going to go. You know, and I'm, I'm <laughs> so glad that she told him, you know. Oh, he, yeah, because she could have just lied. She could have lied to him and just, you know, tried to say, you know, it's none of your business. I, I'm, I'm done with you. Like, she could have tried to push him away. And I love the fact that she had opened herself up to him and let herself be vulnerable to him, that he, she was able to share that with him. Yes. Because, you know, that's one thing that I noticed throughout all of this is that you knew that there were feelings coming along and you knew there was something in that background. And mm -hmm. the way, you know, the way she gave up on Luke the way she did, because he became right. a cop. And, mm -hmm. you know, it just, and she let herself be vulnerable. And I think that is just what was so good with Nicholas. Oh, I just, I, and it demonstrates the strength of their relationship and it demonstrates that how he has woven himself into her, her psyche as much as she has woven himself into his, um, you know, because she doesn't, she never let anyone in because of her fear. Um, so I just thought that was really interesting. Um, but he says, I think it was 2 a.m. when I read this chapter, I'd promised myself after that chapter, I'd go to sleep. Ha, ha, ha. How many times has that happened, ladies? <laughs> um, needless to say, she ended up reading the next chapter. 
Um, Joni said, I love reading this all second time with you all. I do too, Joni. I, I was listening to this chapter again and again, um, you know, because this, you know, it's, it's, it's even better the second time, I think. Um, Kenzie said the, oh no, that might be me from, uh, trying to hide my sneezing or my (laughs) messy nose (laughs) right at the moment. (laughs) uh, (laughs) Oh, Pam. Thanks for letting us know, Kenzie. That's important. If you guys ever have uh, any technical, can't hear us, um, let us know. We will try and do our best. Uh, our engineer, Pam, uh, is uh, really does a good job with that. Um, I try. <laughs> you, you do a really good job, Pam. You really do. Um, Betty says, reading the book and discussing it with you all is so much better. We can finally share how we feel. It makes everything so fulfilling. Yes, I agree with that. And it helps get different perspectives. um, And when SR responds to our questions, it really, that helps a lot, I think. Um, Often it will confirm what we think, Uh but sometimes he can surprise us and give us a different take. Uh, Lori agrees with Betty and Kenzie says, I love watching a film or reading a book or getting and getting to discuss it with other others. Reading is an isolating hobby. So it's nice to be able to share thoughts and agree. That's another, another positive aspect of technology and social media. There are many downfalls to it because it can be very isolating as well, but it can also bring people together. And I think this is a great example of that. Um, it really, really is. And I just, I'm, I'm happy that so many of you were able to join us today because this is such a pivotal chapter in the book. And I'm glad I felt a lot better enough today to do this because I've. Uh, I am uh, too because I tell you I what I didn't think it. I, I was thinking we were going to have to cancel today. I know we weren't going to have a Leslie soliloquy going on. <laughs> I guess we could have tried to find a pinch hitter, but. Oh, yeah. I'm glad you were able to make it. I I am uh, hot toddying it again tonight and uh, just getting cuddled up. And I got my new cuddle duds. (laughs) Nice. Very nice. (laughs) So that'll be nice. And uh, the Walter the Wonder Boo Boo and Stripey uh, the uh, cat and the Tilda and... uh, Pumpkin, the outdoor cat, will come in and we'll all just sort of chase each other. They'll chase each other around and I'll be happy. (laughs) I love it. Oh, God. Pumpkin's latest trick is I have an air conditioner in my living room window. And I'd ask my son to take it out. And, of course, like most males, um, it is still in my window. And... um, (laughs) But Pumpkin has found a way to jump on top of it. So I'll I'll be sitting and all of a sudden I hear this noise and here's this orange cat sitting in my, looking in my living room window. (laughs) (laughs) And it's, it's, it's little Pumpkin. And little Tilders, I don't know where she is at the moment. And Stripey's on top of the radiator. And Walter, the Wonder Boo Boo, hears his name so his ears are all perked up. Oh, I love it. I love it. That's because Walter was intrigued by 
the revelation that he is her father. Yes. Absolutely. Did you also have it? Did you guys also have the flashback, the Star Wars flashback? Luke, I am your father. Anyone, yes. anyone else out there? Yes. <laughs> I have to say I did <laughs> not. Well, I, I mean, just the way it was unveiled, it kind of dropped you on. It yeah. reminded me, I guess I was so shocked when that happened in Star Wars uh -huh. that um, it, 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 it was synonymous with, with this one as well. And I laugh because every time SR mentions something that he's watching on a series or, or something, he always has to throw some sort of Star Wars reference out there. Oh, yeah. And I just laugh all the time with that. And, uh, I know it so well. I, I've been a Star Wars fan since... Uh, the first one came out. I saw that about five times in a movie theater. And then when my son got older, I, a friend had a video store and he, he we bought the three tape videotapes. Snowy Saturdays in the middle of winter when we couldn't go anywhere, we did Star Wars marathons. <laughs> so I love son, it. My son has now read every Star Wars fan fiction and book available to him. He has seen every movie. I think he's got four Star Wars tattoos. <laughs> I love it. Um, I know he's got a bunch of tattoos. He's nowhere near Adam Levine, thank God. <laughs> but he's, he's got a few. He's got his New York Yankees tattoos and his Star Wars tattoos. And he's happy. <laughs> I love it. And I love it. Kenzie, um, SR thinks Plimpkin's name is Jingles. Because <laughs> I had to bell her. She likes to bring me birds. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Yeah, well, first That's... time I saw that, and she's sitting on the porch, and she's got a bird, and she's playing with and feathers hanging out of her mouth, and I was like, oh. Mm. Betty said Walter's the podcast mascot. Yes, he is. Just like your Kenzie dog. Kenzie. <laughs> That's right. That's right, Betty. Kenzie said she's not very into Star Wars or sci-fi, but she loves Kalo. Uh -huh. And Star Wars was the last film she saw with her dad. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. And Betty said she still needs to watch the Star Wars films. I did not see Kenzie prefers much. Lord of the Rings. And notice how I actually knew what L-O-T-R was. I'm very proud of myself for that. Um, Joni. <laughs> I know. Magdalene College know. with the uh, little figures on their yard and uh, the, the bird and the baby or the eagle and the <laughs> And the little corner of um, C.S. Lewis and, and J.R.R. Tolkien. <laughs> I love it. Oh, and Joni says, not Star Wars, but Superman. Superhero Nicholas will show up in the upcoming chapters. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Betty, of course, and I knew Joni, I knew as soon as I read Superman that you would be drawing Betty's uh, affection. Uh, Betty, I think, I don't know, Betty, Paul or Superman. I'm just putting it out there because I'm wondering. You are very fond of both of them. She's high-fiving Joni. I love the Christopher Reeve Superman films. Which I do too. Christopher, Christopher and, Reeve was a beautiful, beautiful human being. 
And uh, my cousin Helen, when she was alive, she was an alternative uh, medicine practitioner. And she used to work with uh, Memorial <laughs> Sloan Kettering. And she would do Reiki and, oh, wow. and stuff like that. Guided meditations and whatever. And when Dana Reed was uh, dying of cancer, she would go. She she would be with Dana Reed quite a bit and help Dana out. She was actually featured in a um, a PBS documentary about uh, that. I mean, Dana Reeves was featured in in this documentary, and Helen is in in the documentary in the background. So you know, just you got. She was taking her normal treatments for cancer and what she had to do, and then Helen would come in and help the spirit and uh, mind a little bit. So she was a she was a lovely, lovely person. They lived up in Armonk. Mm. Or not Armonk, I'm sorry. Uh, it's up above Armonk. Bedford? Bedford. Around where Richard Gere lived. Ah. Uh, so, yeah. I love it. But, yeah. And and, oh, and uh, Betty, <laughs> Betty says, Paul is Superman, of course. SR's chat with Gabriel in his office while SR was in his Superman pajamas. Always oh, makes me laugh. I love going back into SR's uh, blog and looking at some of the stuff in the outtakes he pulls up and conversations oh, yeah. he has. That's They're a great so point, actually, Pam. If you guys haven't done that... Um, I actually haven't read everything. I had started at one point going back from the very first blog and reading everything because, and I wish SR would have time to do this now, but he doesn't. I just loved some of his commentary about anything and about talking about art and talking about a piece of music or it, I just, you know, I, I really, really, actually, I think I've even maybe emailed or tweeted him about this a long time ago about just making a collection of his essays from the blog, I think would be great reading. Um, so oh my, <laughs> I'm just reading, I'm just reading this now. I'm starting to laugh. Gabriel was judging SR. Paul is kind, humble and strong like Superman. Uh-huh. Kenzie says Gabriel is judging SR. How dare he? I believe SR <laughs> is Superman, Superman or, or the Pope. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, Betty. Ha ha ha! I can't picture the Pope writing sexy scenes. I don't know. Hey, you know. I don't know. He's uh, wonder. I love the Pope. I, he, he's he's he. I love the Pope. I'll just leave it at that. Um, Kenzie said, "I wish SR would do more of those chats. They're great. Hopefully, when he's less busy." I went through and reread all of his blog posts twice now. <laughs> SR is a saint, a little min- a, a little, little cinnamon roll. roll. <laughs> Love it. I think he would like to be a plain cooler <laughs> <laughs> with coffee. Oh, oh my gosh, I love it. Joni's laughing. I, I know I am too. Betty says I need to reread those posts as well. Yeah, I know they they're really good, yeah. and I I know I didn't get through all of them. So I'm glad we're talking about this now, ladies. Yeah, and even as we, even yeah, if you go into Argyle Empire's uh, website, they have a lot of fun stuff in there about him too. <laughs> um. Betty says this reminds her of Priest by Sierra Simone. 
Father Bell is one naughty priest. <laughs> oh my gosh. That reminds me of the scene from Sex in the City when Ooh. Samantha um, is uh, infatuated with a friar at one of the local churches <laughs> and she keeps trying to volunteer to do all these great things and he keeps resisting her. Just reminds it just uh, well so funny. Priests have played <laughs> have played a part in my family. <clears throat> and, yes, uh, as uh, my cousin would attest to, um, she left her husband and six children for his best friend, who was a priest and the uh, principal of a Catholic boys' high school. <laughs> and they lived together happily for thirty years. And then uh, my cousin Eddie, he um, he was in the uh, seminary up in around Allentown, Pennsylvania, and was had we'd gone to this big celebration where he became an acolyte and all this kind of stuff. And the year he was supposed to take final vows, he ended up getting married to a woman with six children, and um, he was doing marriage counseling with her. <laughs> and uh -huh. they they've been <laughs> together. They got married that February. I got married in June, so that was '83. Uh, so it's what about 35 years? 35 wow. Years? Yeah. So I do have a few priests hanging in my uh, closet. <laughs> <laughs> wow. None connected to me, thank God. As back up far as that goes. Family connection. Do we do we need to do ancestry uh, or twenty three and me, Pam? <laughs> hey, I know that there were a bunch of priests in the family from years from like a hundred years ago, because we mm -hmm. did do a genealogy thing when my my mom's brother was dying. We did it for him, Aww. and um, we found uh, that he is related to seven priests that were sons of my grandfather's father, great, or my, my grandfather's grandfather, so they'd be his uncles. So, there were a few. Yeah. There these, definitely were. These large Catholic Irish families <laughs> from uh, the turn of the century with their 97 kids. I know. I know. I, I'm, <laughs> I was chuckling at <laughs> um, the chat room. Kenzie says, you know, you get to know a little more about SR and his blog posts. They're very insightful. Yes, check out Argyle Empire. They have many great posts and interviews on the lovely SR. One of my favorites is the Playboy interview, by the yes, way. Yes. Um, Betty says, Krista tempted a priest. And then Lori goes, Krista, grr. <laughs> Lori, that made me howl. That made me laugh so much. I, I almost laughed over Pam talking, but I didn't want to. Um, <laughs> Betty says, I still think Krista could redeem herself. And I'm wondering if that's going to be part of book four. Or, yes. You know or maybe, maybe uh, that could be a whole separate story. He could do a whole separate book on Krista. Oh, yeah. I mean, um, she was, because she was... Eventually, she was raped by uh, Pacciani, I think, in uh, when in uh, Gabriel uh, Gabriel three when they were doing the thing at um, at Oxford, mm -hmm. I think. And then I, uh, yeah, 
And then Pacciani got his own to Ava. <laughs> so, in Florence. But. Oh, yeah. But I think there's a backstory there. I mean, why is mm -hmm. she, she's, she comes from a good family. What's in her head that she has to screw everything that comes along and have something from that person? Something's not right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and Kenzie said, I hope we see no more of Krista banished. She said, the Playboy is my favorite interview. I'm so glad I asked him for it. So I got to read it. Uh, <laughs> Betty has a soft spot for Krista. She doesn't know why she feels sorry for her and wants her to finally find love. Um, Kenzie said that she seen shocked her and Gabriel's redemption was not expecting that. No one deserves that. No. Um, of course, Betty says, perhaps she's just crazy and I need to accept it. So. Well, it's it's like Samia and uh, Ava. They need to accept each other, and preferably without teeth and knives. So, agree That's right. to disagree and keep away. <laughs> <laughs> I would still love to see a cage match with Krista and Ava. Uh huh. That would be good. That would be good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kenzie's saying she had a lot of nerve approaching Gabriel, especially when he was married. People do that. Yes, they do. I've seen it. I've seen it happen. I know. Uh, <laughs> Betty says Gabriel's too sexy. Can you blame her for finding him irresistible? There's uh, restraint, and there's restraint, and you can find somebody totally irresistible, and uh, you can find restraint. But yes. Because you have to respect. That's the problem. Yeah, yeah. No means no. It works both ways. That's right. And um, I don't think Chris <laughs> your <laughs> As long as Chris doesn't want my Paul, we're okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm embarrassed. I always said Ava's name wrong there the whole trilogy through the whole trilogy, and it's not changing now. No worries. I had no idea how to pronounce it, so I looked it yeah. up. It, it, it's a Gaelic version of uh, EVA or AVA, Ava. And, mm -hmm. uh, it's like if you ever see the name Siobhan spelled S I O B H A N, that's Siobhan. Yeah. Or yep. Sarah Ronan. Come on. Yes. Sersha? Yeah. I, I still always have to look. I'm never sure how to say it. I neither am Every I. time. I, I purposely put it in. And the you're way. an Irish lass. But I don't speak Gaelic that well. At all. Yeah. <laughs> so <that's, laughs> I mean, oh my I, gosh. I remember we went to Ireland. Uh, oh, God. I don't know how many years ago. And. I, my husband and I walked into the travel agent because I think we had to make the last payment or get papers. I don't know what it was, but we went in and we were told to ask for Dipna. I'm like, who the hell is Dipna? <laughs> and here, Dipna is Irish name. D-Y-P-H-N-A. Oh. Who knew? So, who knew is right. Yeah, a lot of, lot of different names. I love it. Different pronunciations. So, I think it's cool. Thanks <laughs> to the boss, we're learning new names. Agreed, yes. Betty. I think he <laughs> I think he searches for them. I really do. 
I think yeah, I did too. To the hundred best names of uh, the Middle Ages <laughs> or something. <laughs> Kenzie said she would have died laughing in her face. She said her name's a masculine name there. Yeah, it's. I love it. I mean, there's there's all kinds of great names that he's introduced us to throughout the uh, throughout the different books. Sure. She wonders if anyone would name their children inspired by the boss's characters. I guarantee someone already has. Uh, well, they did. Dana. Uh, Dana. Well, first, her her little boy is uh, Gabriel. Well, there you go. And uh, her daughter, uh, I think, has Anastasia. has Anastasia as the middle name because of uh, Fifty Shades. Yep, I remember that discussion. And I just thought that was so cool. Yeah, Not I, to spoil, but she loves Acacia's real name, which comes up next week. Yes. Good point, Good Joni. Point. And thanks for keeping the spoiler at bay. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yes. Yes. I know. It's really good. <laughs> Betty says me. Be my children, Julianne, Gabriel, <laughs> Paul, and so on. Betty, I have a, <laughs> I have a cousin, Julianne. Julianne Haberstadt. I don't know her mm -hmm. name because I haven't seen her in a while, but yeah, I used to babysit for her when I was a little girl. But she was a little girl. I was in high I school. love it. And uh, I love it. You know, the best one that I ever uh, I went out with a, a boy in high school. His names was his name was Aloysius Francis Xavier. <laughs> you know, like oh my god. <laughs> what do you call? You got him? them all. Al. You can call me Al. Alice. I love it. Anyhow, so ladies and, and gentlemen and boys and girls and puppies that are barking at me. Yes, it's time for it music, I think, time. Pam. It is time. It is time. Yes, yes. And so thankful for everyone for joining us tonight. And I just noticed, Pam, mm -hmm. wanted to let you know as you go into the music that we are at 998 total listens on the podcast. Cool. So Thank hopefully by so next much. week. Thank well, you. We're yeah. going to hit a thousand listens. Very, very exciting milestone. We might have to celebrate, with Pam. That's right. That's right. Well, we got. We also have uh, Acacia's birthday coming next month. That's right. We all will tell you all about that. We'll be uh, having a party, I believe. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank so, you so much for joining us, you guys. Yes, it was a great time and. I believe we're listening to the Charlie Brown theme by Vince Guaraldi Trio. Uh -huh. So have a good night. Good week, everybody. <laughs> we'll see you next week. <laughs>